Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Gwen Drager. Well, good morning, everyone. Hallelujah. We are almost there to the end of this year. Wow. How did that go by so quickly? Amen. Well, it just did because that's what happens <laughs> every day. It's a new day and, and things go on. Amen. How many people know that in the Commonwealth they got a, a new king? Yep. Countries of the Commonwealth got a guy named Charles now. Yes. And he'll have to change how they sing. It's not God save the queen anymore. And they immediately changed the words. Why was he king? Because he was heir to the throne. He was in a line of kings. That's what he was. He was in a line of kings. And so he had to, by birthright, become that, right? Everybody agree with me? So this morning, uh, Abigail, I don't talk to Abigail, or sorry, Bethany, before she, oh dear. Abigail keeps me straight in the office, but apparently not straight in the pulpit. Anyway, <laughs> Bethany, who led worship this morning, started off talking about a king. I thought, has she been reading my notes? But I know she has not. Not, not. And I wanted to talk about king because we're talking about King Jesus, right? Amen. Amen. He came out of a line of kings. Uh, I don't have this scripture up there, but that's all right. We're going to talk about Second Chronicles again. We're going to go back there. So while you're looking up Second Chronicles chapter 13, I just want to read out of the Gospel of Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. The book of the generation of Jesus, because this is important about what we're going to read about in Chronicles. The generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Very important. You're going to hold that because he came out of a generation of kings. Amen? Amen? And it's important to understand when we look at it where we fit in the plan and how wonderful it is and, how, and a good reason why we should all be excited. Amen? So if you have found Second Chronicles, uh, if you haven't, it'll be up there shortly. Second Chronicles, yes, amen. <laughs> is it up there? It will come. It will come. Second Chronicles chapter 13, verse 1. I like the way the Bible tells us what time it is. However, that time is not really relevant to what my understanding is today. Aren't you glad? That's so if you want to study, you can figure that out. Second Chronicles 13, verse 1. Now in the 18th year, the king Jeroboam begat Abijah, oops, at, yes, to reign over Judah. You know those things where you bring them up and you practice saying their names a lot? I have done that, but somehow... Amen. You can, you can bring them up on your phones, and if you have that Bible app, and you can press it, or you can go to other places where it says the words to help you. I have a, one on my desktop, and you can say the name over, and it says it, and you practice it, and then later on you're thinking. I praise the Lord for those people who can say all those names. Amen. There are some people who have a real gift to be able to pronounce them always correctly. I work at it. He reigned three years in Jerusalem. His mother's name, his mother's name also was Mechaiah, the daughter of Uriel, 
Uriel of Gibeah. And there was a war between, we have to really practice this with the Old Testament, don't we? With Abijah and Jeroboam. And Abijah set the battle in array with an army of valiant men of war, even 400,000 chosen men. Wouldn't that be something today? We have a lot of people in the world. We're told today we read something, some statistic, that 9 out of 10 Canadians celebrate Christmas, is what it said. Not the holiday. It said Christmas. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. But imagine 800,000 chosen men. That's pretty wonderful. I'm not sure we could say that in Canada yet. There are approximately 560,000 people who reside in the city of Surrey. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amazing, hey? Just little notes on the side. Being mighty men of valor. As I've been speaking before, and if you haven't listened to Pastor Ann's message from last week, there's some really good help there. Phenomenal. And what the Lord is telling us and what's been on our hearts is to help you come into a position of strength and might and know that the God of might and strength is in you and with him in you, you can live it. You can be a valiant man. So that things that are happening don't move you, especially in times to come. We're living in a very exciting time, and we get to walk in what God promised. That's right. Amen? Amen? And Abijah stood up on Mount Zeremim, which is in Mount Ephraim, praise the Lord for what I can say, and said, Hear me, thou Jeroboam and all Israel. Ought ye not to know that the Lord God of Israel gave the kingdom over Israel to David? Watch this. Forever. Forever. What did we read in the book of Matthew? That he was the, came out of the line of? Mm-hmm. So he came out of this line of David's where there was a kingdom established forever. When you go to Bible school and whatnot, they always tell you that there are Christ types in the Old Testament. So David, we know, is a Christ type. Amen? And here it tells us that the kingdom of Israel, so we are telling them, all right, you got a bunch of guys and they're going to go to war. And even if Israel had three people against all of the other people, you're coming against a kingdom that's forever. You're not going to wipe it out. Right. <laughs> not going to happen. Amen. Not going to happen. They are not going to win. Not at any time. Not then. Not now. Not ever. Not ever. Watch this. It says, even to him, by his sons, by a covenant of salt. Have you ever read that before? Has anybody ever heard of the covenant of salt? Well, when I reach out to some of my friends who are born-again Jews, I get a little help with these things because it's not mentioned often. But covenant, first of all, is an eternal promise. And it literally happens through bloodshed. Mm -hmm. So it's a promise that is acted out through bloodshed. For instance, we can't have a last will and testament unless somebody dies and there's bloodshed. So when someone dies, the will is now acted. And so we can act on the will. So we have the New Testament, which is the will of God that comes into action because Christ died. Mm -hmm. So that's a, we could probably teach on covenant for months. So that's all you get today. 
it's the salt part of the covenant that I want to focus on today. And this is what one of the, uh, the friends said. He said, the notion, the salt means it's a notion of an enduring covenant, one that continues through the generations in particular, is important both in Numbers, where the verse specifically discusses Aaron's descendants, and in Chronicles, where we just read. And he says, but it's not immediately clear why this covenant of salt on sacrifices is so quintessentially, when you ask for help from a teacher, that's what you get. Enduring. The covenant was made. He said, it's an establishment of an enduring covenant. It's like salt in that it endures and does not rot. What does salt do? We find that if we research salt, perseverance, it protects, it preserves, it endures, it it actually can cure a wound. And we can use salt to purify. And so this begins to open up a whole new wonderful thing. When we consider Jesus went to the cross for us and now the promises get enacted that he became the king over all the kings, he has as a representative his kingdom is enduring. It's a kingdom of salt. It's a kingdom that purifies. It's a kingdom that heals. Think of all the properties of salt. It's wonderful. And now we're going to go forward into the New Testament because we've got this. In Mark chapter 9 and verse 49, it says, For everyone shall be salted with fire, and every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. Salt is good. But if the salt has lost its saltness, wherewith will you season it? Have salt in yourself and have peace one with another. We're supposed to be salt, or at least salty to others. And when we think about meat, we never say the meat, the meat we, we add salt to meat, and then it tastes better, right? But we don't go back and add meat to salt and say, wow, you know, that, that salt is really meaty. It's the other way around. What does salt do? It preserves. It endures. It comes from primarily water. Everybody, had anybody ever had sea salt? Right? How does it form? Comes out of the water. When heat is applied, what's left are salt crystals. Ooh. Well, isn't that interesting? Hmm. Let's talk about that fire. Because this is where that enduring power can come into our life. How can we be salt today? How can it make a difference? When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and King, some people get born again, and that's a great start. Some people begin to say, yes, you're Lord of my life, maybe, on the things I like to let you have. But then there's a kingship that happens where you begin to realize, my, and we sung about it, I'm a child of the king. And we don't really get it. Then we live like paupers. We walk outside of his kingdom and expect things of the kingdom to happen when we're walking outside of it. It doesn't happen that way. So people get this idea that the fire that purifies or that brings and makes evident the salt that the fire, therefore, must be something that happens on the outside of us. Surely the fire of God will come into your life. It will purify you. And now we have this great idea 
that fire must be all the trouble that we experience in life. But that's not what it says. How can God, who's given you an eternal covenant of preserving, of enduring, of giving you what it takes to get through anything, how can what's outside affect what's inside? Hasn't he come to purify our hearts? then the fire of God must be something deeper. It must be something that will come and make that adjustment in our heart. And that's what he wants to do. You see, once we've accepted Jesus as Savior, and we begin to say, okay, God, come. Do a work in my life. Be evident to me. And those first for a little while, it's kind of like a honeymoon a little bit. Everything seems to go real smooth. And you're pretty happy. And then this the idea comes along. Oh, well, well, that wasn't very good. That didn't taste very good in my mouth because a little conviction comes along. Right. Well, we, we said, come and be Lord of my life, but there was this place I wanted to keep. And we don't understand that as we allow God to do the work in our heart, he'll actually change our desires. There were things that I wanted to do when I was 20 that I have no desire to do today. <laughs> Pretty simply put. Right? Are there some things that you did when you were 20 that you're glad you don't do today? I don't, I don't, when I see the snow, I, that, was a, that was an invitation to, to injury as a child. But I didn't care. I get cold, I get wet, I'd slide down the hill, we'd bump, we'd get bruises. We didn't care if there were rocks. We, there was a huge hill. We, we actually lived across the street from the school, so we didn't have to go uphill both ways to school or down, you know. <laughs> I went five miles uphill to school. And when I came home, I went five miles uphill too. We didn't have that story. We had to just cross the street. The school was there. But they had this great long hill that went into the baseball field. And so, and we would get a lot of snow and probably the, the school would shut down for about two weeks. And my father took a piece of metal and I don't know where he got this piece of aluminum, but he punched some holes in it. We put string on it. I mean, it was a nasty looking sled, but that thing went like, and waxed it like a, a ski. And I mean, this hill was like, I mean, oh my goodness. So we, you know, we're kids. We, we figure out how to make out of the snow a kind of a launch pad oh, yeah. halfway. Oh yeah. You know, it's a, my brother actually uh, broke a tailbone <laughs> on one of those wild excursions, but we lived. There are things I did when I was 10. I'm not going to do at 60. I'm not going to go flying through the snow. I know there are some people who ski all their life, but that's not me. I realize I don't like the cold. Not so much. Mm -mm. And I particularly don't like to get wet. And so, so those things are not, uh, no longer appealing to me. But I'm very happy for those who like to enjoy it. Amen? So if your kids want to go out and run around and play in the snow, bless them. Stay in your nice warm car and wave at them. That's what I like to do. I know there's still some adults who sled. You probably should receive prayer before leaving. There is an enduring covenant, a promise of protection, a promise to keep you through all the rough stuff. Amen. When we came back from uh, one of our last trips to uh, Kenya, and we came back, where we left, it was 42. When we got here, it was negative 10. On one of our... our uh, our stops before we got home, I, I messaged Barry. I said, bring my winter coat. It took me a month to, you know, acclimate or, you know, acclimate again. And, uh, oh, it was nasty. I'm thinking, no, take me back to 42 degrees. It really wasn't that bad. 
although I didn't particularly like 46, 42, you know, one day it was 38 and everybody was putting on a sweater. <laughs> like, shouldn't you get your jacket on, Pastor? No, I'm just about feeling normal. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So God is able to protect us. I'm throwing Kleenexes everywhere today. God's able to protect us and keep us regardless of what we face. We need that fire, though. And uh, many times when we're experiencing God, there's a place he's calling us to and a place he's drawing us to because he wants that salt to be formed in you. He wants that endurance to come forth and live in you. His kingdom is an enduring kingdom. And many times we try to live at the edge and kind of do our bit of our will, a bit of God's will, a bit of our will, and, a bit, and then we blame God when stuff goes wrong. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Let's look at Matthew chapter 3. Verse 7 says, When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism. So the religious people, there's some action going on. Why is Jesus coming to the baptism? What's going on here? He says unto them, own generation of vipers, calls them who they are, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? They're coming, they're checking stuff out, but they're not buying it. Bring forth, therefore, fruits, meat for repentance. And think not to say yourself, well, we can ride on the generation who went before us. My mom and dad were believers. They raised me in church. That'll be good for me. Nope. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And he said, wait a minute. We've got a generation. God said he'd raise us up. We're going to slide through. Everything's going to be just fine. This is not snow. You won't be sliding. It won't be fine. You'll lie on the rocks. And now also is the axe laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which brings not forth good fruit is thrown down and cast into the fire. This is not the fire that purifies, it's a fire that devours. And there's always, just like the blood of Jesus has two effects. So the word of God is sharp, it's a two-edged sword. When the blood's applied, it has two edges. If you're on the right side of the blood, it's wonderful. If you're on the wrong side, it's not so good. Sword of the word is the same. If you're on the right side of the word of God, it's a blessing. You'll have favor, things are good. If you're on the wrong side, it's not so good. Same thing here. There is a fire that works in us that Jeremiah talked about. i got a fire shut up in my bones. And there is a fire that's judgment. Fire draws a line. Why? Because it purifies. But it doesn't come. Fire is not sickness, right? Fire is not a bad thing that happens to your family. Fire is not an accident that was waiting to happen. Fire is not all the things the government does that are contrary to what the Bible says. None of those things are fire. Fire is the place that purifies, that brings forth what is right and good in you. How does that happen, Pastor? Let's keep going. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. Jesus had not yet gone to the cross. So the baptism they have right now is like a preparation. John's baptism is a preparation of what's to come in faith that what Jesus will do on the cross will work for them. So it's a separation. 
And there's a place in our life where we realize and we feel drawn and we begin to separate, you know, this world, it isn't working for me. It's not working. Do you remember those times in your life where you thought, something just isn't right? And you begin to like pull away. And you may be not even realizing in its full capacity what, what was so wrong over there. You just know you don't want to do that anymore. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Where you just kind of go, you know, that doesn't, doesn't do it for me anymore. It's not, it's not happy. It's not right. And you begin to draw into something you may not understand. When you get born again, I didn't understand everything. When I got filled with the Holy Ghost, I under, felt like I understood less. Like, what is this? What is this sound coming out of me? feels weird. But with submission to God, he began to work in his life. And then when I said yes, understanding began to follow. So when he talks about this baptism of repentance, it says, God, man, I know I am not going right. I need to follow you. I need to go a different path. Something begins to take place inside. And it's a separation from the world and its ideas. But those separations don't happen, all of them, all at once. It doesn't work that way. Primarily because we don't want it to. But also because we don't understand what we're being drawn away from. Now, here's the, the funny thing that happens often in that. We want to look at what, we want to go back and understand it because sometimes we feel like or the enemy tries to convince us we have lost something we're going to need later. And so you better go back and find that thing. You might need it in the future. No, you're not going to. Don't believe that lie. You're not going to need whatever you leave behind for Jesus, you don't need. Now that can be difficult sometimes for people to grasp. Are you sure, God? Yeah, because he'll supply all my needs. So anything the devil tries to tell you, don't let that go. You might need it later. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. Allow the separation by the Holy Spirit's calling and drawing to get you going in the right direction. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, we're verse 11. But he that comes after me, because this was John talking, he that comes after me is mightier than I. He's talking about Jesus. Whose shoes... I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And that's where people go, oh, I don't know about that. See, he's going to be. And I remember there was a fellow told me, you know, he got saved and, and uh, he lived on Vancouver Island. He was talking about his uh, particular how the person led to the Lord. And this is several years ago. And there was a lot of people getting real excited about sharing the gospel. And they'd tell you, man, you're going to lose all your friends. <laughs> everything's going to go crazy, but you'll be saved. You'll go to heaven. It's a great place. But while you're on earth, it's going to be hell. I'm like, I'm like, he's telling me this. And he got so excited. I'm like, yeah, I wanted to go to heaven. So I got born again. I, I listened to them. And we ran around telling everybody else. We had big black Bibles. He was young. He was in his early 20s. And they'd go around telling everybody, yeah, you'll lose everything. It'll be terrible. You'll never get to party again. You're going to tell a 20-year-old, by the way, no more parties. You're going to go to heaven where they hand out, you know, the harps. And, and, you know, 
And, and everybody say, the party's in hell, you know, and that's all the rock and roll that they're used to. And, and we say, well, don't you want to come to heaven where it's all quiet and it seems like, you know, a 20-year-old, that's not going to really attract. They don't understand the best parties in heaven. They have the best singers ever, and hell always tries to steal them. Right? How many worship leaders get stolen by the devil thinking there's a better pay on the other side? They may get a higher paycheck on earth, but I tell you what, the paycheck they're losing in heaven is a greater cost. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now, I understand what I said before. Fire comes like a bit of a judgment. But this is where it can work a great work. What work will it do for you and for me? It's that place where it says inside, when conviction comes to you and says, that's not right. Like our brother said this morning, the Lord told him he needed to be kind. That he couldn't be unkind. There's a place where that begins to work in us. As we are drawn by Holy Spirit into that walk, closer to Jesus, closer to understanding his kingdom principles, there are ways that kingdom people act. Mm-hmm. You won't, and, you, and sometimes we, if we put it in the natural realm, there are things that King Charles is not supposed to do. They even have to eat a certain way. Many of you may not know this, some of you might, but when people sat down to eat with Queen Elizabeth, when she was done, you're done. And she didn't eat much. She'd eat this tiny little bit of thing. And when she was done and she put down her fork, you put down your fork. It didn't matter how much was still left on your plate. So you either ate fast <laughs> or ate later. <laughs> there were certain behaviors, certain things that they had to walk in to be examples of kingship. Many times as charismatics, we've not put very much emphasis on kingdom living. We've talked about kingdom living as far as favor and walking in faith and being healed and those things. But kingdom living includes walking as children of light and being examples. And we know this, that if we read about Jesus, who was our example on earth when he walked on earth, People criticized his walk then and said he was the partner of the devil. So obviously, we don't take the guide of the people who are critics as to how we walk. Our guide for how we walk comes from Holy Spirit. And as we allow him to work in our life, as we surrender to his wonderful voice, he begins to bring that fire that kind of touches the place and purifies us so that that very salt crystal can be revealed and we can be salt to others. You see, if you're not purified, what's been left over can sometimes come out our mouth and it can affect what comes out of our mouth. And when we're pure, purity will flow. But we can't do it on our own. Anybody ever tried besides me, right? That is fruitless. <laughs> and that tree gets cut down, aren't you glad? <laughs> and so he says, he'll, he will purify us, but will we let him? Will we let the fire, that passion of God, the passion of God that cares about souls, that goes beyond, that helps love the unlovable, even when they've been nasty in our face, even when they try to push Jesus off a hill, will we still walk with grace? It's not easy. 
But it's much easier if you don't do it in your own strength. You see, if we allow his voice to come in and begin to work that purifying work in our heart, it's not exterior. You see, the things of this world, the exterior things cannot change what is interior. My heart's inside where you can't see. God knows my heart. He sees it. He knows what needs to be adjusted. If I allow him to work on it, I'll be purified. And sometimes it might squeeze a bit. And what do I mean by that? You can't really do that anymore. Hmm. Well, I like to do that. Anybody ever had a pity party? No pity parties with Jesus. You know, I, have you? <laughs> we had this friend that had a poodle. Dear Lord, that thing. And she would take it for all these things and come and see it. And, and, and this is many years ago. And we'd go to, she lived in an apartment. And she, she'd take the little dog to the whatever, not the vet. And it'd come back with little pink bows in its hair and little... And that was before it would become, now it's really popular to dress your dog. And, and this little dog, it, it, you know, and it was like, oh. you know, it had all kinds of issues. And it would want to, you know, and lick your, you know, take your end of your tea and drink it out of the dish. And you're like, oh. And I, I like dogs, but not like that. That was, that was weird, you know. And it was like, oh, come to the, and it was like this. And I, I sometimes see pity that way. It reminds me of a little pity poodle. We better stroke it, make sure its bows are in correctly. Because we have days like that. My bows are in, right, God? And they affected my bows. And I'm feeling really bad about like, the fact that I couldn't get a pink bow in my hair today. And we get that way. God, did you notice I was hurting today? Pity party. Did you notice they were mean to me? They didn't like it. They didn't like what I did. And you know, and the little poodle yaps. Beep, 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 beep. They never even have a good bark. And that, that dog did not bark right. I tell you what, pity does not bark right. I've left an image with you so that anytime that that dog shows up in your life, you're gonna go, oh, pastor talked about this. I'm not gonna get in a pity fight anymore. That is not the fire of God. And you come along and say, time to get rid of that poodle. Stop petting that thing. It's like a bad wound. Quit licking it. It won't heal that way. Right? I know. Well, I've left you with the picture on purpose. That is not going to help you endure, not on any level. Salt will not come out of that. It's not salt lick. Amen. So we want to come to the place where we allow him to work in our heart. And it's not going to come from crazy outside junk. <laughs> it's going to come as he says, hey, wait a minute. Stop that. That is not doing you any good. You getting in that ditch. Every day, you know, we, I said this to somebody the other day. I said, you know, we, we often use this phrase of, you know, don't point at the ditch. You're going to drive right into it. And we, you know, right, we talk about that. And yet here I am with this person and they're like, I don't want to be like so-and-so. I don't want to be like so-and-so. I want, and I'm like, you're focusing on the ditch. <laughs> that's what it looks like. Sure enough, they're being like that individual. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be like that. But that's all you're looking at. And that's what you become. That which you hate, that you talk about all the time. It's what you're focused on. Charles Caps. Like that man. He said, you know, if you take a camera, 
and point it at trees, you'll get a picture of trees. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, if I point it at failure, if I point my focus on sickness, oh, I don't want to be sick. 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 What are you going to be? Mm -hmm. If I focus on Jesus, his healing, his enduring power, his patience, because I didn't have any, I needed his. That's another sermon. Perhaps Pastor Neil will bring it to you nicely. <laughs> I had, you know, I had to allow Holy Spirit to like purge that one out of me. Let patience have its perfect work. I wasn't letting it, you know. So we come back to that place of allowing Holy Spirit to speak in there. And he begins to do his work. And suddenly, we're going, hey, that was not so bad. I remember the first time I heard a sermon. It was, I was 27. And this person was talking about releasing offense. And I'm like, I, because I have a lot of passion. I could fall from passion into offense in a blink. I go, don't you know that's wrong? Yeah, that's wrong, that's wrong. There's a change. And I go from, and especially if it hurts someone I loved, don't do it. And, and so I get, you know, and they talked about forgiveness. I was 27. I never forgot it because it was, it, I had to go through a purging. I needed that fire to come in and do a little work there. Mm -hmm. But it would take me three or four months to get through, seriously. Because first of all, I'm trying to forgive them, but I don't want to. I'm forgiving them by faith. But it was taking a long time. I loved your message about forgiveness last week. I would try, man, and, and I'd fight it. You know? And now it's like, man. I, because I learned how to allow and surrender to Holy Spirit's work. And I know when I'm upset. And that's when the fire is noticeable. It just gets a little hot there. A little hot around my heart. It's like, and sometimes God doesn't even have to use words. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're just going, why are my ears feeling like they're on fire? See? See, if the fire of God's not the external. Getting sick never made anybody understand Jesus' healing power. Never. Having a child go stray, it never fixed the hurt involved by worrying it or begging God to fix it. It never does. At this time of year, I've had so many people and that I've come across or spoken with who have children in difficult situations. You can go through Christmas without that pain if you allow Holy Spirit to come in and do his work. It's really about surrender. That's really the way. You surrender to that burn. You surrender and you say, Holy Spirit, let this work that Jesus bought on the cross work for me today. And it comes in. And like the hurt goes. And, and it, you know, some people think, well, now I got a scar there. No, Jesus doesn't leave scars. He took the scars. He took the scars. When I went rolling down the, the road and on the way to Whistler, the wrong way, 
after the motorcycle accident, I went over and over and over and over. The stuff that was on the road burnt my leg very badly. It was caustic soda. So I had caustic soda burns all, all down the back of this leg and uh, some of my arm. And it, it literally, because it was caustic soda, ate through my clothes. The motorcycle helmet, I happened to, and I had switched off. I had had a, a short helmet, which doesn't cover, not a full face. I had a, the short kind. That, before we went out that night, I thought, it's kind of chilly. I'm going to wear my full face helmet. Praise God. I never got one scar on my face. But all of the rubber around the mask and around the edge of the helmet was, was eaten. I can tell you when Jesus healed me, I have like the scars went. I have a couple little kind of dots, but you would never know. I'm, I have dots all over me that look like freckles. So <laughs> It's hard to see what the devil did. But you can see clearly what Jesus did. When they said he'll never walk again. It's pretty clear I walk. <laughs> what Jesus does, you can see. We are believing that these are the times of the manifestations and where we see not just the sons and daughters of God arising, being salt to those, but that very manifestation of the promises, that kingdom endurance that's come, that covenant of salt being made manifest. His kingdom's going to go on forever. Hallelujah. Now, it says in verse 12, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner. That fan is not a fan like we think. It's not like, oh, goodness, here comes the disciples. They're as bad as fans, you know. That's not the fans. Amen. It's also not a fan that blows air. It's actually a shovel. It's a, it's a, what they call a winnowing, will, no, winnowing, winnowing, wood shovel. And it was more like a pitchfork. And so what they did is they'd use this, this thing and they'd stick it in the wheat and they'd up into the air. And so when they flicked the wheat up into the air with this, this thing they call a fan in the New Testament, it'd go up and the chaff would separate as the wind blew it. And so what would be left was pure. God knows how to purify us. God knows how to set our heart right. He also knows that so many people are stuck believing that their heart's not. And when I think about the great enduring substance of God, how gracious he is, how kind, and how loving. How we come into this place of celebrating his kingship, celebrating who he is. Can you begin to celebrate that he knows just how to purify you and I? He knows just how to bring us to a place where we are pure. Can we accept the fact that he's made us pure? And that he wants to use you and I to be salt to others. That he's good at what he does. Can you look yourself in the mirror and know Jesus has done a good work in me? And not feel bad about it. Not go back and hang on with all the buts. Well, well, well this. Well, what about this? What, what about the mistake? Do you think the God who is 
forgiven you as far as the east is from the west? So far has he removed your transgression? Do you really think he's bringing it up? Chances are it's not even the devil. Chances are it's your own memory. You don't have to remember anymore. With surrender, it brings you into a place of purity. And God himself calls you pure. He is unstoppable. That's what enduring really means. It means he's unstoppable. And if he's unstoppable, so are we. So are we. So it really comes down to surrender. It's not about the outside stuff. It's not. Some of you may encounter it in the next couple of weeks. Outside stuff. But remember the inside stuff. Where God calls. Where he woos and draws. Where he says, hey, just let that go. And let me in here. Let me fix that. Let me be Lord over your trouble. Let me take that from you. It's time to stop carrying the bags of yesterday. And begin to carry and know what he's put in your heart. Whose purpose is for today. Don't you think so? He knows how to remove the junk. Can we surrender to it? You know, when we were younger and growing up, and we talked about salvation, it was the Salvation Army, we talked a lot about salvation. It was about surrender. I believe that surrender is a big piece of where we need to go to today. And it helps us. It helps us. That doesn't mean, like Pastor Neil shared this morning, he still had to be a good steward of what God put in his hands. Surrender doesn't mean that's it. You all become preachers tomorrow. And you'll get up and you'll leave your jobs. No. It means wherever we are, we are salt. Wherever we are, God is with us. Whatever we set our hand to, God is working through us to show the world his loving kindness. His good characters. That we are light in this world because he is light. And it's a good thing. It's a wonderful thing. When we surrender, it gives him total access to work the way he wants to work. We can endure, last forever. Now I want to just speak one more word about enduring. And then we're going to pray. Many people feel that enduring is just getting by until you get to heaven. It's that, well, I'm just going to barely make it thing. But that's not what Jesus did, did he? If the salt and the covenant of salt was an enduring kingdom, made an enduring kingdom that lasts forever, do you think that Jesus' kingdom barely gets by and barely wins? That the devil, man, he just got to the very last second and then suddenly Jesus, you know, rises up like some kind of superhero? At the last second, barely defeated, bleeding everywhere, and barely able to get by, and suddenly, for some strange reason, he manages to, to crush the devil under his feet? He's not a last-second God. Enduring is not just getting by. Enduring makes it look like there's nothing wrong. When I en am enduring, you never see sickness. You see wholeness. 
We are not the sick trying to get well. We're the whole standing in it and pushing those other things off. Amen? We are enduring and not just barely getting by. His kingdom lasts forever. And we can see it as we submit and surrender the things that have caused us to just take a little longer, be a little delayed, be a little hesitant. Don't be hesitant. Make the decision today. Such a great song, I Surrender All. And uh, I'm not asking you to play it, it's okay. <laughs> but there is a place where that is what, where we need to go, where we surrender and know that his kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. Stand upon your feet. Hallelujah. I trust today that you've heard some different things that will help you as you go forward, knowing that you are not alone, that whatever the devil's thrown at you can just fall to the ground, that you're more than just getting by, that God is with all of us. It's impossible for him to leave. Amen. So, Father, we do come boldly to your throne today, surrendering those places, knowing that your fires come close to bring your purification in our life, knowing it's a good thing. It's a good thing to be clean. We all love to be clean. We thank you for it. We thank you for your great call on the inside that's been wooing us and drawing us into a deeper place and a deeper understanding of who you are. And who you are to each of us. That in you we can stand firm, unshakable, unmovable, abounding in your goodness. Abounding in your kindness. Abounding in your grace and in your mercy. For you are with us. And you keep us. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for this day, for those who've been facing very difficult situations, so difficult to grasp that people would say or do the things, especially when it comes to family. Father, I thank you that you're able to work and heal those places this day. That that obligation to try and fix things is leaving knowing you are the greatest fixer there ever was. You're the reconciler, the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. That you've given us all a promise of your hand being on us. We thank you for what you're doing in this land, in our families, and in this country, this people. Glory to your name. Will you just lift your hands, begin to praise him wherever you are. Because it's in his hands. It's in his hands. It's in his hands. Sikela. Oh, we put those things we've tried to hold on to. We put them in your hands this day. We put them in your hands where you carry us. And we take your hand this day and follow with all our heart, all our soul all our strength, all of our mind. We follow you, Jesus. King of kings. Lord of lords. Be Lord 
in our life this day. We surrender to you. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327 or you can write to us at